How's everybody doing? Did you get any sleep? I know you got all 18 of your children. And, you know. <laughs> I had uh, Dr. Kim uh, give me an adjustment last night. I slept like a baby. I slept like a rock. It was so comfortable. Awesome. I'm so excited for what God is doing here. Um, this is the last meeting that I'll be with you, and my wife is going to finish this thing up tonight. Uh, my daughter, Alethea, and I are taking off this afternoon, heading home so that I can be in the pulpit tomorrow morning at our home church in Emeryville, California. But it's been a great joy to be with you all, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture. Today we're going to talk about submission. Submission, a very, very important topic to understand in order to have a healthy, happy marriage, but yet a very dangerous topic to cover. And uh, the moment I said submission, I s noticed some veiled excitement in the faces of husbands. <laughs> Let me just say, you should not get too excited too soon. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of fear of God. Yes. Um, my translation says, Submit to one another in the fear of God. And then uh, starting at verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Say, everything. everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Say, gave himself that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Yes. He who loves his wife loves himself. We'll stop there. First thing that I want us to understand is that Paul has... Two primary different ways of speaking of Jesus. One of his primary titles for Jesus is the Lord. And another primary title he has for Jesus is the Christ. Matter of fact, these two confessions, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the Christ, are at the heart of Paul's gospel, the gospel that Paul's, Paul preaches. And in order to understand the gospel of Paul, you must understand these two confessions, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the Christ. When Paul speaks of Jesus as Lord, he means something different than when he speaks of Jesus as the Christ. When he speaks of Jesus as Lord, the lordship of Jesus has to do with his resurrection glory, his power and his authority. So whenever you see the word Lord used for Jesus, you know that Paul is talking about the authority of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. But when Paul speaks of Jesus as the Christ, the word Christos in the Greek is the translation of the Hebrew Mashiach or Messiah. And the messianic ministry of Jesus was his sacrificial death on the cross. So when Paul is, uses the word Christ for Jesus, he's speaking of his messianic, he's speaking of the sacrifice of his life. Yeah. So when he says Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the one who gave his life on the cross. And when he says Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the one who bears all of the authority of God. So if you look at uh, Philippians, for, for instance, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being found in the likeness of human flesh, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even the death of the cross. So when he says Christ Jesus, he's going to explain the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So when he says Jesus Christ, he talks about his death. When he says Jesus the Lord, he talks about his resurrection and glory. So whenever he wants to call us to submit to the Lord, to the authority of Jesus, to the, the authority of God, he speaks of Jesus as the Lord. So notice whenever Paul says in the Lord, he's calling us under the authority of the Lord. And whenever he says in Christ, he's calling us to humility and the sacrificial giving of his life. Okay? Now, as we look at this passage, the first thing we notice is verse 21 provides us with the foundational principle. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. And he gives us this principle before the next verse, wives, submit to your husbands, because for so long we've looked at this passage and we thought that the only person who has to submit is the wife. But actually, before he tells wives to submit, he says, submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord, out of the fear of God. Submit to one another out of the fear of God, which means before he begins this passage, he wants to allow us, he gives us this principle that submission is mutual and that if anyone does not submit, they have no fear of God. If we don't submit to one another, we have no fear of God. Not, and see, I hear a lot of believers say, no, 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 I submit to God only. (laughs) I submit only to God and to no one else but God. I do not submit to man. Well, then you have no fear of God because he says submit to one another out of fear of God. Yeah. If you don't, if you, if you truly submit to God, then you'd submit to one another. Yeah. Because that's what God commands. Yeah. You know, there are people at our church in, in uh, there are just a handful of people who love me and Sonny to death. <laughs> they will do anything for me and Sonny. They love me and Sonny. We could call them and say, we've got a flight out of SFO at 3 o'clock in the morning. Can you give us a ride? Yeah, we'll be, I'll be right there. I'm getting in my car. I'll be there at 2, 2, 2 a.m. to take you to the airport. No problem. Even if they have to go to work at 6 a.m., they'll come. They'll do anything for me and Sonny because they, we, I submit to you. But if anybody at church asks them for anything, ain't nobody got time for that. And we've had talks with some of those people and said, if you love me, you'll love the church that I serve. If you submit to me, you'll submit the body to the body that I serve. You can't say you love me, but you don't love the church that I serve. You can't submit to me without submitting to my body. That's what the Lord would say to us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then from verse 22 of chapter 5, Through chapter 6, verse, I'll give you an exact verse in a second. Yes, verse 9. Thank you, Pastor Kim, Pastor Q. He gives us six examples of what submission looks like in three different relationships. So the principle is submit to one another. And then Paul says, let me give you some examples of what submission looks like in six, diff- in, in six contexts in three different relationships. And he starts with husbands and wives. This is what it looks like for a wife to submit to her husband, and this is what it looks like for a husband to submit to his wife. And then he goes to parents and children in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he says, fathers, don't exasperate your sons, but raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So the kind of submission that a child offers to parents is called obedience. And the kind of submission that a parent offers to their child is called encouragement. Isn't that crazy that we have to submit to our own children? That if we don't submit to our children in the Lord, we have no reverence for God? Encouragement is when we encourage our children and we don't exasperate them, we're actually showing fear of the Lord because this is God's child. And, and actually, my daughter is my sister in Christ. Not just my daughter, but my sister in the Lord. Yeah. 
And so I have to submit to her out of reverence for Christ, out of fear of God. And then he goes on to say, slaves, obey your masters. And then he says, masters, be fair with your slaves. But we're going to focus on the husband and the wife example. All right. Now, verse 22. I want you to pay close attention to how Paul refers to Jesus. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He does not say, wives, submit to your own husbands as to Christ. Because if you submit to your husband as to Christ, you're relating to your husband as one who is supposed to make sacrifices for you. Which means you're look, if you look to your husband as to Christ, you're looking to your husband as the one who is supposed to make sacrifices for you. Which means your primary orientation towards your husband is, you're supposed to sacrifice. You're supposed to give yourself. But he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Meaning, as you, as if you are under the authority of your husband the way you would submit yourself under the authority of the Lord. And then he says, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now, he, sw- he tells the wife, submit to your husband as to the Lord. And then he says, why? Because the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. When he talks about who the husband is... He says the husband is as Christ, not as the Lord. Meaning, as a husband, I cannot identify with the lordship of Christ over my wife. I have to think of myself as Christ, not Lord. My wife has to think of me as Lord, not Christ. Does that make sense? Do you see the paradigm? The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body, which means my job is to be the savior of my wife in the sense that I am to sacrifice myself for her the way Christ sacrificed himself for the church. Now, if if we both do this, he's already set up the paradigm. If the wife submits to her husband as unto the Lord and the husband covers the wife as Christ, everything's fine. What tends to happen is The husband stops sacrificing for the wife, and the wife stops submitting. And when the wife stops submitting, the husband stops sacrificing. And when the husband stops sacrificing, the wife stops submitting. And what happens is there's this politics that enters into marriage that begins to destroy the covenant from within. Now watch this, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as who? Christ also love the church. He never gives the husband the benefit of thinking themselves as Lord. <laughs> and anytime I take verse 22 and, th- and throw it at my wife, I'm positing myself in the place of Lord. My responsibility is not to be Lord over my wife. My responsibility is to be Christ over my wife which means that I lead through sacrifice. And this is the key. If the husband leads through sacrifice, the wife will have no problem submitting. And the converse is also true. If the wife submits, the husband will have, well, in most cases, the husband will have no problem sacrificing. But there are some selfish... (laughs) (laughs) We can't be selfish, though. (laughs) And actually, that's why it's got to start with the husband. The husband has to start with sacrifice. The the sacrifice of the husband must must come before the submission of the wife. Because without the sacrifice of the husband, the wife actually has nothing to submit to. Jesus was Christ before he was Lord. Philippians 2.5. This mind was in Christ Jesus, and the mind of Christ 
which is what Paul is calling us husbands to espouse, is the mind of Christ is not a mind that declares its own authority. If the husband is to love the, his wife the way Christ loves the church, when do you ever see Christ demanding submission from anybody and declaring his own authority? When do you ever see Christ going, you're supposed to submit to me. Don't you know I'm the son of God? I could call angels at any time to destroy all of you. Christ never, it, who being in very nature God, considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself. He led through sacrifice. And then God highly exalts him and gives him the name that is above every name. Husbands, if you want to be exalted in your marriage, you have to follow the path of Christ. It's the path of submit, it's the path of humility and sacrifice. If you want your wife to submit to you as unto the Lord, you have to follow the path of Christ. Okay, where are we? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands, listen to this. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Okay, we're going to stop there for a second. A husband ought to love his wife as his own body. Translation, the word as means as much as. You should love your wife as much as you love your own body. We should love our wives as much as we love our own bodies. We should not use our wives to satisfy the desires of our own bodies. Can I say that? Because it's very natural for us husbands to love our own bodies more than our wives and to use our wives' bodies to satisfy the desires of our own bodies. But if I love my wife as much as I love my own body, in fact, I will put my wife before my own body. Does that make sense? You know where I'm going with that, right? There's no children in the room, right? I'm just trying to make sure. Oh, okay, but he, he, he don't understand nothing. He's, he's still a little one. He don't. What I'm talking about is we tend to think that the category of lust only applies outside of marriage. But the category of lust applies just as much in marriage as outside of marriage. And what tends to happen in marriage, especially Christian marriage, and I had to confront this in our own marriage, and honestly, we're still dealing with this issue, is as a Christian man, I was a virgin when my wife and I got married 17 and a half years ago. And there's this false doctrine that's taught in the church to young Christian single men. And the false doctrine is, you just have to wait till you get married, and then you can have as much as you want. Why do they tell young men that? <laughs> Who do you think we're going to marry? <laughs> as much as you want. That's what I was told. You know how many times I was, just wait till you get married. You can have as much as you want. When you get married, you can have as much as you want. That was in my head. I'm going to get married. I can have as much as I want. That was a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> but what that doctrine did was implant within me an entitlement complex. Yeah. I am now entitled to as much as I want because I waited. <laughs> because I'm godly. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and that entitlement complex over 17 years of marriage, began to kill the intimacy between my wife and I. Because 
What entitlement does is I get angry if she says no. If she says, not tonight, I got a headache. It got to the point where I would come to bed with a leave and a bottle of water. <laughs> She's like, what's that for? I'm like, it's for your headache. It's like, but I don't have a headache. Oh, good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When it comes to the sexual relationship between my wife and I, I want to be Lord. But I got to be Christ. But conversely, if I become Christ, she'll make me Lord. Do you get that, husbands? When it comes to the sexual relationship between my wife and I, I want to be Lord. Which means I want to demand. I want, and I want submission. But in actuality, I have to be Christ. Which means I have to be willing to lay down my life. And if I'm willing to lay down my life, she'll make me Lord. But she can't make me Lord if I haven't first become Christ. And so when we realize that, sometimes we have to stop and go back and say, let me go back and, and let's fix this. Let me become Christ again. Does that make sense? And so really being Christ in my marriage is not just about the sexual relationship, but being Christ in my marriage means identifying the needs that my wife has and making provision for them even before she asks. Remember what Jesus said? Your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Yeah. As husbands, we need to know what our wives have need of before they ask us. And we have to become Christ to our wives. I heard a, a testimony of a man that at first it scared the, the scared me to death. He was in his 90s, and he and his wife had been married for like 60-something years. And he was talking about how happy, and you could just see them. They were beaming, and they were happy, and they were, they were so loving towards one another. And he said, my wife and I never had a big fight in the last 65 years. We've had disagreements, but we never had a big fight in 65 years. And somebody asked, how did you do that? How did you do it? He said, well, and he looked out at the young man. This is an old black man. He said, I'm going to give you the key. He said, the key is I beats my wife. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And he said, and young men, you need to learn how to beat your wife. He said, I beat my wife every day for the last 35 years. And it got dead silent like this. He goes, I beat her to the kitchen to wash those dishes. <laughs> I beat her to the laundry room to wash those clothes. <laughs> I beat her to the broom to sweep that floor. <laughs> I beats my wife every day for the last 35 years. <laughs> That's what it means to become Christ to your wife. You gots to beat your wife. <laughs> you gots to beat her every day. <laughs> When we present ourselves, husbands, when we present ourselves as Lord and not as Christ, we begin to treat our wives like our personal assistants, executive assistants. And we, and we do so, we often do so because we have this very false, biblical, we have a biblical foundation for it, right? What was Eve to Adam? What did God say Eve was going to be? His helper, right? You ever heard that word helpmate? She's my helpmate. She's my helper, my helpmate. And we completely misunderstand the word. First of all, the word helpmate doesn't appear, appear anywhere in any translation of the Bible. It's not, I don't know who made that word up. In the King James Version, it says help meet. The word meet meaning suitable. A suitable helper. The word in the Hebrew is ezer, and it literally means rescuer. It does not in any way, shape, or form indicate inferiority, like she's my helper, 
my assistant. Why? Because over and over again throughout the Old Testament, God is called my helper. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my shield at my right hand. The word ezer, helper, literally means rescuer. If anything, it indicates superiority and not inferiority. And if you look at the context there, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable rescuer. Which means the function of the wife is to rescue the man from his place of loneliness. Meaning, that man would never make it. <laughs> unless God gave him that woman. Literally, God was looking down and said, look, look at this pathetic man. We got to do something about this. <laughs> he will never make it. He'll never grow up. He'll never figure stuff out. He'll never get his act together. He might not brush his teeth consistently. He may not take regular showers. He's not going to eat right. He'll be at McDonald's several nights out of the week. He won't go to sleep on time. He can't raise kids right. Your wife is your rescuer, not your assistant. If you treat her like your assistant, like your inferior, you're positing yourself as Lord instead of Christ. And in actuality, if you posit yourself as Lord instead of Christ, she can never make you Lord. Because you've already made yourself Lord. It's kind of like where Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corners and, you know, and I bless thee, Lord, Father. And God said, Jesus said, they've got their reward already. That is, they did it to be seen by men, and men seen them, so they've got their reward already. They shouldn't expect any answer to their prayers or any reward. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door, and let the Father who sees in secret reward you openly. It's like that. We want our wives to submit to us, so we try to make them submit. And whatever they do in compliance, you got your reward already. Don't expect anything grand to come out of it. Don't expect anything more than, you know, you using them as your, your assistant or whatever. It should be the opposite. I should be assisting my wife instead of making my wife assist me. If anything, submission is not service. Sacrifice is service. When he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, did Christ sit at the table and make his disciples serve him? Or did he say, I am among you as the one who serves? After he washed their feet, what did he say? He said, in the house, does the master of the house, does he sit and let the servants serve him? Or does he serve the servants? He says, but yet, I am among you as the one who serves. And then he says, do likewise for one another. The ministry of Christ is the ministry of the towel. The ministry of Christ is the ministry of the towel. And this is the ministry that we must embrace on behalf of our wives. The ministry of the towel. The greatest authority you have, husbands. Oh, and this is, this is key. You know, um, over in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little scatterbrained this morning, but I'm going somewhere. Where Paul says... The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband. And the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife. He's talking about the sexual relationship between husband and wife. And he says, you don't have authority over your own body. Your husband has authority over your body. And, and husbands, you don't have authority over your own body. Your wife has authority over your own body. My spiritual father, I remember I called my, my spiritual father because we were going through a season where Sonny didn't want to do it very much. And it was incredibly painful for me. And I used to call my spiritual father and say, she said no again last night. And finally I said one day, I said, doesn't she know the Bible says she doesn't have authority over her own body? I can't say that to her, but I can say it to somebody else, you know. <laughs> you know, that would never work. <laughs> Husbands, don't pull that scripture out. Mm -mm -mm. And you know what he said to me? He said, Benjamin, when the Bible says that you have authority over the body of your wife, it doesn't mean you have the authority to use her body to please you. It means you have the authority to please her. Did you get that? You have authority over your wife's body, which means you have the authority to find out what pleases her and to please her when she's ready. 
Husbands, if you get that, it'll set you free. You have the authority to please your wife. Rising up in the authority of the husband is embracing my God-given authority to please my wife, not my God-given authority to use my wife's body. Listen, God does not give you any authority to use your wife's body to please yourself. He gives you the authority to please your wife. And wives, you have authority over your husband's body, which means you have a God-given authority to, to, over your husband's body to please your husband. And if the sexual relationship between husband and wife looks that way, each of us rising up in our God-given authority to please one another, then it becomes a relationship that's not only edifying to one another, but it's edifying to the Lord. If I, in the sexual relationship, if I present myself as Christ and my wife relates to me as Lord, then we have a relationship that honors God because both of us are serving one another out of reverence for Christ. Does that make sense? All right, my wife is going to come and talk a little bit more about this. Don't worry, husbands, I'm going to talk to wives. (laughs) Before I talk to wives, though, husbands, look at me. Are you willing to die for your wife? Let your wife hear you. Come on. Were you willing to die for your wife? Yes? Yes. Then, Richard, you should have no problem taking the garbage out every night then. Because taking the garbage out is much easier than actually dying. I'll say this, husbands. Ever since I married Benjamin, I never have carried groceries into my house unless he wasn't home. You know what he would say? We would, if we had five, six packs, he'd say, go in, baby. I got it. I was like, first, I'm like, no. You know what? I, I have strength. I'll, you know, we could do it together. He's like, no, no, no. You go ahead and relax. And he would go back in for Ooh, husband. <laughs> Wives, you can't use that against your husband. But husbands, that's a good challenge, isn't it? But at the same time, I remember... Uh, 14 years ago when I had to preach my first sermon, I was tormented all week. And 2, 3 in the morning, Saturday night, I was like, I don't got this, husband. This is your gifting. Let me just love people, but you do the preaching. I don't have it. Please don't let me stand there and make a fool out of myself. Right? And he's like, nope. Though in spiritual realm, he would not say, okay, no, you could do it. You could prophesy. You could preach the word of God. But in physical realm, it's like, I got this, sonny. You go in. And he's never, ever, ever, like, changed even for a day with that, right? So that's a good challenge for the husbands. You know, wives, submit to your husbands. I hated that. (laughs) Even when we got married, we changed it to respect, right? (laughs) Submit sounds so ancient, you know what I mean? Because in my head, when I hear submission, I heard lordship, not Christ, right? And until I married my husband, I really thought I had no problem submitting until I married this man. (laughs) Because I was a good student, I was like, you know, Teachers loved me. Uh, I grew up Presbyterian, right? I did. I followed the rules. I had no problem submitting to authority until I met this man of God, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I mean, if he does right, I have no problem. But he's selfish. <laughs> Except for groceries. <laughs> Other than that, he's selfish. (laughs) Sometimes when I think he should pray, he doesn't. Sometimes when I think you should be fasting and praying, you know what's going on right now? He's watching Netflix. I'm like, submit to that. (laughs) You cannot submit to the one that you do not trust. Trust means you have a firm expectation, firm reliance. You have confident expectation in somebody. 
I remember first time I had to leave home with, after Alethea was born. I was like, you have to do this, 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 and this. So I got it. Sonny, I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it. When I left, do you think I had a firm reliance? Do you think I had a confident expectation that he was going to huh, sanitize the bottles and feed her? No. I was nervous the whole time. I was, I was miserable <laughs> because I did not trust this man. Hmm? You know what I realized? When you are not able to trust and submit to your husband, you know what it does? It creates distance and it removes fire. When I say fire, I'm talking about intimacy. Hmm? I'm talking about intimacy, yeah? You know, I remember um, really dealing with this whole submission thing with my husband. Because, you know, like, I'm an independent woman. I could do this. I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I, don't need, I only need God, right? The raw, <laughs> right? The reason why was this. Growing up, the women in our family were strong. They knew how to sacrifice for one another. You know, they took care of each other. But men in our family were so weak. So, like, you know, um, they, 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 they were like wishy-washy, right? Oh, A is good, okay. No, B is good, okay, right? And my husband, I'm not my husband, my father were not able to love us as Christ loved the church, right? My, hus my father left us, left my mom with five of his children, okay? Left us for another woman. And he did not financially support us, right? So we had to live with consequences of a selfish man, right? Who only pursued his own happiness. And so without me realizing deep inside, it's hard for me to trust men because men are selfish. Huh? Even financially, when I married this man, he was only 23 years. I don't know what was going on in my mind. <laughs> I married a 23-year-old boy. I had to raise my own husband. <laughs> His finances was not good. Me, on the other hand, I took care of all. I had no debt, right? I lived by faith, right? So I didn't have that much loans, right? And then I married into this financial mess, and it was hard for me to trust and submit. You know what I mean? When I see his weaknesses, I mean, when I see him preaching, I have no problem submitting in that moment. <laughs> But day to day when I see, I, it's hard for me to submit. And I, I say, if he does right, I have no problem submitting. So do right. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But you know what I realized? It wasn't to my benefit. When I couldn't trust my own husband, it did not help me. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy. Everybody say joy, joy. not a burden for that would be no advantage to you. You know what I realized that when I couldn't submit myself to my husband, it wasn't benefiting him. You know what I mean? It wasn't benefiting me. When I don't submit, it doesn't benefit me. I remember all my life, because my father was gone, I had no covering. And because I had no covering, and I was so prophetic from a young age, I would get visitation from demons every night. From sixth grade on, every night, I would get, you know, I would get choked. I would, I mean, I would get tormented by demonic presence. 
And as I grew up and I learned how to uh, do spiritual warfare, I was able to fight it off, but then it would often come back, especially when I am feeling weak and physically exhausted. And there are times, even once I married him, it slowed down, but it still happened a lot, right? And often he would wake up, somehow he would know, and he would just have to do warfare to set me free. Often, many nights, right? And I always thought, man, will I ever get free? You know, I traveled the world and I set the demon-possessed free. I mean, people levitate in front of me and God uses me to set them free. But I'm still struggling with demonic visitation, torturing me, tormenting me. And I remember... uh, I don't know, maybe a few years into our marriage, and we came under uh, Pastor Robert Daniels' covering, and I started to really study and learn about submission. Remember, Benjamin and I, we had to make this uh, major, major financial decision, and, we, and I felt like I was praying all night, and God gave me the answer. So I came home in the morning. Right, Benjamin, I woke him up during night. Watch, God told me the answer is this. And he's like, you know what, Sonny? I'm in agreement. However, we cannot do anything until we talk to our pastor. And once our pastor confirms, let's go for it. And at that moment, I felt very uncomfortable. All right, Presbyterian in me. I felt very uncomfortable because I thought, I, I, I love my pastor, but he's a man. I know I heard God 100%. I know I heard God. I know this is God. But you're going to take what I know I heard from God, and you're going to submit it to another man. And you know what? 99% he's right. But what if this time it's that 1% and he's wrong? I don't know. Do I submit to God? I know that's word from God. Or do I submit to a man? I struggle. I was like, and I told him that. Do I, do I submit to God or man? What if he says something else? And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just submitting to the pastor. I'm gonna. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so I took a lady. She was an infant, and I, I was doing prayer wall. I was like, God, do I submit to you? Do I submit to our pastor? I know he's godly, but he's only a man. Isn't it idolatry if I put a man in God's? Please, come on, go, what do I do? And I was walking like miles and miles, and I just could not stop just, you know, struggling. And you know what God said? This is what God told me, Sonny. He will not be wrong, but even if he's wrong, I will bless your submission. I was like, wait, 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 God, okay, okay. Wait, let me get this right. So, if he's right, and I'm right, and I'm blessed. Yeah. If he's wrong, and I submit, you're still going to bless me for submission? He's like, yeah. Then I can't go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. So I called Benjamin. Benjamin, God just spoke to me. Even if Pastor Robert Daniels is wrong, God said he won't be. But even if he is, he, God will still bless my submission. So go ahead. Talk to the pastor. <laughs> and then Benjamin laughed like that, right? And then he's like, oh, I'm actually in front of Robert, Pastor Robert right now. And he said that word that you heard from God was God. That it is an Isaac. That it's okay for you to like release Ishmael. Because we were trying to hold on to Ishmael financially. And I felt like in that time, God said, let it go. And I was like, oh, yes, right? And so I understood the power of submission. And you know what God spoke to me? Sonny, submission, the power of submission, right? The, 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 the power is not in the authority of a leader, The power is in the degree of your submission. You could be submitted to the weakest Christian on earth. Weakest. And when you're sick and you go to that weakest Christian, right? I'm not saying you're weak. I'll go to him. (laughs) Right? And you're sick and that weakest Christian could say, be healed in Jesus' name. And I fully submit to that word. I am healed. The power is in 
the level of your submission. And I realized I misunderstood submission all my life. That's why I resisted it, right? And so I'm learning. I'm learning the true definition and power of submission. And so one day, I was getting attacked again in the middle of the can't speak. But you know when I get attacked like that, it looks like I'm sleeping. But I could see. I could see everything that's going on in the other room. And I could see what people are doing. But people think I'm just sleeping. But somehow he figured out that I was getting attacked again. And he was praying, and he's like, Sonny, this is a lie. You are a child of God. You've been seated in the high place with Jesus. The enemy cannot touch you like this. This is a lie. Now, before understanding submission, my mind would be like, what the are you talking about? <laughs> I can't move. I can't speak. What do you mean this is a lie? This is real. But now that I understood the power of submission, when he said this is a lie, you know, I am putting more spiritual reality as a more reality than the physical reality. So in my head, as my husband is saying, this is a lie. Enemy can't touch you like this. In my head. And he said that. Repeat it in your mind. So in my mind, I said, this is a lie. Devil, you can't touch me. You can't touch me like this. This is a lie. This is a lie. And I fell asleep. And I don't know how long he prayed. Maybe an hour or two. Right? I fell asleep. And that was the last time that I was demonically attacked like that to that intensity. Submission is for our benefit, right? I remember Benjamin's back went out, right? And we did everything. He went to go see the doctor. He, we called all the healing evangelists that we know in town. They laid hands. We did everything we knew how, and he would not get any better. And about two weeks later, he, you know, he went before our pastor and he sat down. And usually what my pastor does is, you know, he just talks about revelations that he received, you know, that week. And Benjamin usually just records it and he listens to it. And after about an hour of our pastor just talking about what God's been speaking, pastor finally asked Benjamin, hey, Benjamin, how's your back? And he said he was ready to say, oh, it hurts so, right? And then when he went, oh. Oh, oh, and then he got up. He was like, I'm healed. And pastor just, <laughs> right, right? He just, on his way home, Benjamin said he could not understand. And he asked God, God, I don't understand. Pastor Robert didn't even lay his hand on me. Can you say that better? What did God say? <laughs> so I said, God, I don't understand. Like, he didn't even pray for me. Like, I was just sitting in his presence, listening to, to the things you were saying to him. How did I get healed here? And the Lord said, in your spirit, you were so submitted to the things that he was speaking to you that your body had to follow as well. And this is what we find in the church is that the people in the, in the body of Christ typically don't want to submit to anything the pastor says. But then when you're sick, you want him to have the authority to lay hands and rebuke <laughs> sickness out of your body pastor will say, don't do this and, and, and do this, but you don't want to submit to nothing. But then, oh, pastor, I'm sick. You have to have authority now. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said, because you submitted your heart and you submitted your soul, your body had to follow. And I remember um, one year, pastor told us, you know, your people need financial breakthrough and they cannot get that breakthrough unless they sow into you personally. But, you know, we don't have an Asian-Korean congregation. It's very multi-ethnic, right? So Asians, we know how to honor the pastors, right? Hopefully you guys do, right? Because that's the key to your financial breakthrough. But because, <laughs> because we didn't have Asians, <laughs> they, I mean, they were one-third, right? right? Um, a lot of people were struggling financially, and our pastor said, you need to help them. Okay, what do we do? We'll do anything. He said, you need to tell, go talk to your board and say you're not going to receive any uh, salaries. What? <laughs> you're not going to live by faith. And you just let people know that you're not taking salary. Because if you receive salary, they know you're taken care of. So they're not, they're not going to feel led to give. And so you tell your people the only way that you're going to live is if they give love offerings. 
And I was like, uh, <laughs> I know our people. <laughs> I have to spend one third of my salary paying for people, right? When we go out to eat, they don't pay for us. We pay for them, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. But it, it we're not living like that anymore. But Pastor Daniels told us to do that for a few years, right? And it was so hard in the beginning because I knew where they're at. They're poorer than us, right? And when we did so, right? In the beginning, there are times where I couldn't pay the bills and we had no money in the bank. And we would call Pastor Robert, uh, <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> and we have all these bills. And Pastor Robert never gave us even a penny. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't rescue us. You understand? So many of us often, we, when we hear the need, we, we want to rescue people. Pastor Robert never rescued us. You know what he said? No, son. You have everything you need. You lack nothing. And because we have trained our hearts and our minds into submission, when, I, when we heard that, it just felt like all is well. Even though my bank account still said zero, my right brain felt like, yeah, we lack nothing. And we will walk away after hanging up. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you know what? During that time, we were able to pay off our credit card debt, and our people were blessed. The breakthrough happened in the lives of our people, right? Submission is to our benefit. Now, it doesn't benefit pastors or the husband's wives, when we are able to submit to our husbands, it benefits us. It's to our benefit. And I realized that often I waited for him to become perfect, then I will submit. But then I realized when I did that, I kind of kept breakthroughs locked up in him. He felt unworthy, he felt little, and therefore he couldn't be all that he can be as a husband for me. But when I learn the power of submission, I am unlocking the padlocks in my husband's spirit so that he could really lead us, so that he could really be the source of strength, the source of life for me. Often, Pastor Daniels would tell me, Sonny, demand, you could demand more. Uh, he's already <laughs> overwhelmed with what I'm demanding. No, Sonny, you, I give you permission to demand more. And in the beginning, when I demanded more, he did freak out a little bit. <laughs> he's like, can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, I can't even sit down. I'm like, welcome to my life. <laughs> He said, you could demand more from your husband. And then Benjamin is like, then what about me? He actually said that with tears coming down. But what about me? <laughs> and you know what pastor said? Who's your head? Is your wife your head? Who's your head? Christ. Then you go to God for your needs. Wives, you are able to go due to your husband's because he's the head. And you could demand, this is what I need. I need your covering. I need your support. <laughs> but husbands, <laughs> husbands, because <laughs> she went like this to her husband. <laughs> but husbands, Christ could provide more than your wives can. That you are, when we were homeless for three months, right, because our, we lost our home and we had to go live with my brother, right, my younger brother. It, that was such a hard time for him. You know what? During that time, I was, Pastor Robert was like, Sonny, go to your husband and demand a home. Say, provide. We need a home for, I was like, Okay. Husband, I need a home right now. I can't wait any longer. And then Benjamin's like, uh, what? okay, okay, Pastor Robert, what do I do then? Go to God and demand. I'll say this, husbands, you don't have to be perfect. Seriously, you do not have to be perfect. 
But you, <laughs> but you know what's going to help your wife to submit? You don't have to bring hundreds of thousands of dollars in. You don't have to wake up early and do all the housework before you go to work and come back to all the... No, you don't have to be perfect. You know what's going to help us wives to submit to you easily? Is when we see you spiritually seeking God. That when we see you as we're doing something and we see our husbands on their knees seeking God for every decision that he needs to make for our household. When he, when he is seeking God and when he is praying over the, uh, your, our children, when, when my husband goes and, and pray over Aletheia, when Aletheia and I wake up to my husband crying out to God, you know what? I have no problem submitting to a man of God. He doesn't have to have everything. But if he knows how to go to God for the things that we need, I could submit. I could submit. And that's what we need, husbands. More than carrying the grocery bags in. If you knew how much security it gives your wives when we see, oh, I pray in my closet. We need to know. We need to see, because all we see is you playing games, video games, and watching Netflix. Going out with other husbands to eat while your wives watch the children. That's okay. Husbands, that's okay. But if that's all we see with our physical eyes, it's hard for us to submit, even though we know the submission is benefit to us. But when you become a spiritual leader, try it. Try it. One day, I remember Benjamin put Aletheia down when she was little, and he was on his knees, and he was, you know, praying in tongues and seeking God. Man, that was so beautiful. I didn't mind cooking and cleaning. And, and do you understand? It's like, no. He's like, oh, do you need me? I'm like, no, pray, please. Pray. <laughs> Seek the face of God. That's what we need. Can Benjamin join me? So to wrap this up, I want to say a couple more things. Um, so um, there's an order, and this is the key. What tends to happen is we want our wives to submit to us, but we're not taking the lead, husbands. We want our wives to submit to us, but they don't see us submitting to anybody. So Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they watch over your souls as men who must give an account right? Obey your leaders. and sub So if my wife doesn't see me submitting to my leaders in the Lord, yeah. she's got, n you know, I, w I go home, demand submission, but then I go to the church and I'm in rebellion, yeah. right? So I, I model rebellion and then demand submission. It's yeah. out of order. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I must model submission if I want to see submission in my own household. And if my, my children see me not submitting to anybody, they're not going to submit to me. My wife sees me not submitting to anybody. She's not going to submit to me. I must be in submission if I'm going to receive submission. <clears throat> and then secondly, Jesus, this is the, the husbands, I want to say this. How did Christ, what was Christ's posture towards the church? He said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do for you. Husbands, this is the posture that we must have towards our wives. Yeah. Whatever you ask in my name. That will I do for you. Whatever you ask me, my authority as a husband is not to demand that my wife do whatever I tell her. Jesus didn't do that to the church. My authority as a husband is to provide for my wife whatever she asks of me. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And Jesus even encouraged the church to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Do you realize, husbands, that we need to encourage our wives? You're not asking me enough. What do you need? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and I'll open the door for you. What do you need? Do you need food and you're not getting it? I'll go get you food. What do you need? Do you need something to drink in the middle of the night? I'll go get you some water. Whatever you need. What do you need? you need me to make you lamian and drop an egg in it and <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night? That should be our posture. Yeah. And the thing is, until we get that in our head, you know, 
For so long, I had no clue how much my wife did around the house. No clue. Like, complete. It's so easy for us husbands to be completely oblivious. You know when I realized how much my wife does around the house? When she goes out of town. <laughs> and then the whole house goes to seed. It's like, man, she must be constantly cleaning in this. Constantly. Like, how does she survive when she's out of town? I appreciate her so much. Like, baby, how do you survive? Like, how do you live? This place is a mess, and you've only been gone like two hours. <laughs> you must be constantly cleaning. And every time she's gone, I'm like, I'm going to do better. <laughs> when, she, when she's gone, I'm going to do better. And she comes home, I'm like, baby, I'm going to do better. I'm going to clean more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help out around this place. You shouldn't have to do all of the work. And then it goes back to normal with it. <laughs> but it's, yeah. about, it's about order. Yeah. It's about order. Good. Yeah? yeah? So if we could have Grace. Is she here? Yeah. With, and I want you to stand up. And I want, let's seek the face of God. Husbands, you got to submit to the authority of Pastor Q and of God, right? You got to come under. And if there's anything that's, that's in the way, any beliefs or any disillusionment, you got you to gotta, you gotta put it before the altar today, right? And then wives, you got to really ask God to help you. I know there's already a brain pathway in the wives. I've been there of not trusting, not, well, I, he can't change. He'll never change because of disappointment, because we've been disappointed way too many times that that you need to lay it before God, right? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just going to interject real quick. I want to share this one testimony. We did a marriage retreat in Fresno, California a few years ago. My wife did a teaching called Wives Submit to Your Husbands. And she came down hard in that message. She was like, wives... Your husbands are weak because you've made them weak. You, you say you want your husbands to be strong, but yet you beat them down instead of submitting to them. And your husband has no authority in your life because you don't give him any. And at the end of that message, she had the wives come to the altar and repent. He said, wives, you need to come to the altar and get on your knees and repent before God for not submitting to your husbands. And the wives rushed to the altar, and they were weeping and repenting and weeping and repenting. And then she said, now, husbands, your wives just gave you your authority back. Now go, go kneel behind your wives and lay hands on them and use the authority that you've just received in Christ to minister to your wives. And the husbands came, and they started ministering to their wives, and the tears were flowing, and there was such breakthrough and such power of the Holy Spirit. Well, six weeks later, Sonny and I were doing the marriage retreat for their whole denomination. So we did it for their church first, just 25 couples. And then we did it for their whole denomination, 300 couples, six weeks later. And one couple from that retreat came to us at the altar at, at, uh, at the end of one of those services. And they said, six weeks ago, you did our retreat. And we were at the point where we were going to file for divorce the following week if God didn't do something at that retreat. She said, but let me tell you what happened. She said, the wife said, I had uh, sickle cell anemia. And because I had sickle cell anemia, my husband and I were married for nine years and I was not able to conceive. She said, a few weeks after that conference, she's six weeks later, so it's like eight weeks later when we were doing this big conference. She said, a couple weeks ago, I got very sick. She's, first of all, we had a breakthrough in our marriage and we were restored. Our marriage was restored at that conference. And then six weeks later, I got very sick and went to the hospital. And she said they ran all kinds of tests on me and they were baffled. The doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And they finally came to me at the end of the day. They said, we don't understand how, but there's two things that we know. Number one, you don't have sickle cell anemia anymore. And number two, you're pregnant. And you got pregnant six weeks ago. That day at that conference, when that bond was restored between husband and wife, when that wife gave that husband the authority in her life, in Christ, God used that authority when that husband laid hands on his wife to heal her body. And they had not been connecting sexually at all. They did that night. And God gave them a child. How powerful is that? Like that's the power. 
of right relationships between husband and wife. Amen. That's the power of what God does. So let's do this. Let's do this. Come on. Let's <laughs> let's look to Jesus right now. Husbands and wives, let's let's submit to His lordship over our marriage, and maybe repent before Him first because you stop believing. You stop believing for certain things. Come on. And wives, I'm glad Benjamin shared that because I was there too. Let's repent before God for making our husbands weak by not submitting. Come on, let's seek the face of God. And husbands, I want I want you to repent too. Maybe, maybe you know you didn't see yourself as Christ rather than Lord. Right? So I want you to just ask God for His forgiveness to forgive you for not sacrificing. Husbands, we're so used to, you're so used to receiving the sacrifice of our wives and our mothers, right? But God is saying, no, that's not right. Especially in Asian American, we've seen our mothers sacrifice and we feel like that's godly and that's normal. In actuality, biblical. What's right in Bible is for husbands and the fathers to sacrifice. Let's make it right. Come on. Let's make it right. Let's make it right. Whatever in the depth of your belief that wasn't right, make it right before God by repenting and asking God for help. God, show me how to sacrifice for my wife. God, show me how to sacrifice for my children. Come on. Let's, let's seek the face of God. Let's come under the authority of Christ over our marriage, over our, our family, over our church today.